Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Okay, everybody, if you haven't done already, take out your notes, uh, your Bible app, maybe the Community of Hope app that you have, your Bible if you got it, whatever. We're going to jump into our series. We are talking about a series we're in week two called Cave Time. Everybody, all of our campuses say that. Cave Time. And what we're talking about is how God meets us in dark places. Now, a lot of people, whether you are a religious person or an irreligious person, maybe you used to be a church person and now you're kind of figuring stuff out again, a lot of people have the misperception that God only shows up when everything is bright and sunshine and everything is perfect and everything is awesome. Actually, and it's in my experience, and it's the testimony of the Bible, that the God of the Bible does his best work when we're often in a bad place. And this is what's beautiful about what we're looking at in scriptures, what we're trying to talk about in this series, is that particularly if you're in a struggling and difficult spot right now, you have come to the right place. Because the God of the Bible meets people in dark places. So last week, Pastor Dale, if you were here at Loxahatchee, you're streaming online. We had other of our campus pastors preach this. But we heard a great message about uh, the cave of fear, and particularly a character in the Old Testament named Samson. And it was a cautionary tale. It was an ugly tale. It was a weird passage about what happens when we let our anger get completely out of control and how God can meet us when we're in a cave of anger. And so this week, we're looking at a different person in Scripture who's in a bad place for themselves, who's in another cave, and God comes to meet them in their dark place. A different person with a different cave in a different set of circumstances and problems that we can all relate to. Today we're going to talk about the cave of fear. The cave of fear. Now if you search online, uh, you can find just lists of hundreds of things that people are afraid of. And particularly you can go down a rabbit hole around phobias, very specific and extreme fears that people may have. Like for instance, everyone knows this, what is arachnophobia? It's the fear of? Yuck, exactly, right. Now, there's a list of other fears, less common phobias that I found this week. Here's the first one I learned about, which is acrophobia. Acrophobia. Does anybody know what this is? No? What? Yeah, lots of hatchy smart. I don't know West Palm Beach or Lake Worth. You heard that. Acrophobia is the fear of heights. Fear of heights. My dad is deathly afraid of heights. And it's because when he was a kid, uh, my grandparents would take him and my uncle to the Grand Canyon every year for vacation. And when they would look over the chasm of the Grand Canyon, my grandfather would pick up my dad, hold him over the rails, and go, Archie, look down. Isn't it beautiful? <laughs> no, 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 no. So that's fear of heights. Here's another one I learned about this week, aerophobia. Does anybody know what aerophobia is? Okay, some people got right in. Aerophobia is the fear of flying. Raise your hands if anybody here afraid of flying. Yep, yep, that's right. Uh, most people struggle, with, some people struggle with fear of flying because there are no atheists in turbulence. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, here's another one I learned about this week. Allurephobia. Allurephobia. Does anybody know what this is? This one's awful. It's crippling for millions and millions of people across our country. It's the fear of cats. Terrible. Look at this. Look at this. Look at that. 
You can't tell me that animal is not planning how to get away with murder. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. Now, full disclosure here at Loxahatchee, my in-laws are in town, including my sister-in-law, Alyssa, who has a cat named Jazz, who is the only cat in the world I'm allowed to like, and I made a deal with her last night. They can make a cat joke as long as you say Jazz is okay. The only one, though. That's it. Okay, got it. Great. Okay, great. Awesome. So, now, people, we're not talking about extreme, specific, irrational fears like that. Um, We're not even talking about necessarily good fear, because sometimes fear will save your life. Like God designed human beings in your nervous system with a fight or flight um, instinct to where if you are afraid, that could save your life. I was born in Seattle, which I don't know how I ended up in South Florida, like literally catty corner of the United States. It's a cruel joke from God. I don't know. Um, I was born in Seattle. I lived there for a few years. Most of my family is still there. Then my family relocated to Denver because my dad's job for five years. And then we eventually moved to Tampa, Florida, where I grew up and spent most of my childhood. Now here I am in South Florida. My very first week in the second grade in Florida, the teacher, the teacher covered in the official curriculum in the state of Florida for a little old seven-year-old Trevor, brand new to Florida, how to outrun an alligator. (laughs) What? Does this happen in Florida? So I developed a healthy fear of alligators from a very young age. When I was seven, I got super good at zigzag running patterns, let me tell you. Okay, like that will save your life if there's something that's actually dangerous. And so we're not necessarily even talking about that. That's a good thing. That's a survival instinct that God designed human beings with. The type of fear we're actually talking about today is the type of fear that people face every day that can be like your fight or flight that doesn't turn off, that gets stuck where fear is like a pilot light that's always on on the inside of you. It feels like knots in your stomach, and it can feel crippling for people. That's the fear that we're talking about today. Um, I first became aware of uh, how I struggled with fear when I was in college. Um, I had a very, very big decision to make. It was 2005, and I had one of the biggest decisions I had to make my entire life. Lots of people had opinions about the decision I was going to make, and I was trying to figure it out. And I didn't know what to do, and I felt anxious about it. And so I went to the pastor of the campus ministry that I was attending. and said, I'm anxious about this decision, and I don't know why. And he told me something right there in his office that I, I'll never forget. And he said this to me, anxiety is the mask that fear wears. And so just in the same way, like last week, how we talked about anger is a secondary emotion. If you're angry, that's actually not really what's happening. There's something under the surface. If you're an anxious person, what's actually happening, happening under the surface is you're afraid of something. And this is when I began to learn I struggle with fear. And so I want to tell all of us here today and all of our campuses here today that um, I'm not coming today as an expert who has figured it all out, um, I'm broken this way, and I'm broken by the fall. We all have our own brokenness and fallenness we struggle with. This one's mine. And so uniquely, God, in his infinite sense of humor, decided I was going to preach this weekend to all of our campuses about it. Um, So I struggle with fear. I struggle with anxiety. But I have experienced the deep peace that's found in Jesus Christ. And God is healing me of my fear.
And um, I'm not here, like I said, as an expert, but I am here today as somebody as a posture of one beggar showing other beggars where you can find bread. So if you struggle with fear, if you struggle with anxiety, you're in the right place because we worship a God of peace who's going to meet us here today. So the character we're going to be talking about today in a cave of fear is King David. But we're going to talk about him before he was king. See, David was intimately acquainted with fear. He knew what it was like to be afraid. David is one of the most beloved characters in the entire Bible. He's my favorite character in the Bible outside of Jesus. There's been more written about David than any other character outside of Jesus. Abraham has 14 chapters dedicated to him. Joseph has 14 chapters dedicated to him. Jacob has 11. Elijah has 10. David has 66 chapters of scripture dedicated to his life, not counting the 59 references to his life in the New Testament. If you study the life of David, you study the life of somebody who you learn why God picks people and why God uses people. If you want to know why, it's because look at David. God says he was a man after his own heart. And so the passage that we're going to look at here today about David um, is actually before he, uh, let, me, let me rewind. Let me say it like this. The passage we're going to look at with David today comes after the fact that he's a shepherd boy. He's no longer caring for his father's flock. And it's before he becomes king. It's a very painful, fear-induced, anxiety-riddled season of David's life when he was an outlaw on the run. So all of our campuses together, if you're able, would you please stand for the honor of reading God's word? And this is just something that we do to show reverence and honor to where we're trying to listen to God and have him speak into our lives through the Bible. And so this is 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. And let's talk about David in his cave of fear. Verse 1, David left Gath and escaped to the cave, there it is, of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or disconnected, gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. From there, David went to Mitzpah and Moab and said to the king of Moab, Would you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? So he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him as long as David was in the stronghold. But the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Go into the land of Judah. So David left and went to the forest of Hereth. This is the word of God for the people of God, and all of our campuses said, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Don't sit. Let's pray. Lord, Father, the, the Bible calls you the God of peace. Jesus, it calls you the Prince of Peace. Holy Spirit, this book calls you the Spirit of Peace. So now, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask that you manifest your presence everywhere where Community of Hope is meeting, and we would experience the peace of Christ that surpasses understanding. Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Now you may be seated. All of our campuses. This week was bring your sons or daughters to school week. Did anybody at any of our campuses bring your kids to school this past week? Or, excuse me, <laughs> did anybody take your kid to school this week? <laughs> I hope so. 
Let me try that again. This week for Palm Beach County Schools was bring your sons and daughters to work day. Did anybody bring your kid to work this week? Some of us did here at church at Loxahatchee. And so here's um, not all, but some of the staff kids. And during this week, we did all sorts of different things where they learn uh, how, what does it mean, all the different ways and all the different roles it takes to help work at church and run a church and run a community. And so they started the day off with me. We ate donuts. We're on a whiteboard. And we did a teaching team session where the kids helped me reflect on this passage and learn about the passage for how to, God helps us out of our fears. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's super cool. So um, I made a deal with the kids. If today the message stinks, blame the children. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, it was a great time. Um, And they helped me really reflect on this passage. So let's just think of a moment for what we just read. Let's zoom out. If you zoom out from 1 Samuel chapter 22, what you see uh, in the grander story of the history of Israel is a few things. So last week we read in the book of Judges, it was totally time when there was no king. The people were doing whatever the world they wanted to do. Everything was falling apart. I read one theologian this week who described that period of time in the nation of Israel as them as an entire community and nation were on a long drift away from God. Fast forward a couple generations. There's a man named Saul who becomes chosen to become king of Israel, but quickly shows that he's not suited for it and he begins to fall apart. Um, Saul was tall, dark, and handsome, but quickly it was revealed that he was quick-tempered, that he was um, given to despair, that he was thin-skinned. He wasn't ready. And so the Cliff Notes version of what happens from Saul to David goes something like this. Saul was rejected by God as king of Israel because of chronic disobedience. God then goes pick shepherd boy David and declares him to be the one day next future king of Israel. Fast forward a few more years. David picks a fight with the ancient UFC champion of the world, a giant Philistine named Goliath. And he kills him with a slingshot and chops off his head with a sword. Awesome story to read to boys, not so great to read to girls. (laughs) And instantly David becomes a celebrity. He becomes a national hero overnight. And then Saul becomes jealous of David. In fact, Saul becomes so jealous and insecure about David that he begins to plot David's demise and he begins to plot how he's going to kill David and then outright just tries to murder him any chance he gets. Saul's jealousy became murderous towards David. And this jealousy haunted and hunted David. And so David runs for his life, and we find him in a cave, afraid. Now, if you notice in the passage of what we read, it doesn't say that David was afraid. It just says he was hiding in a cave. So we don't know from 1 Samuel 22 what David's emotions were, but we do from other scriptures. See, David also wrote, wrote half of the book of Psalms, which is a book of prayers, And two of them, we know for sure he wrote from the cave he's in with what we just read. One of them is Psalm chapter 142. And this is the heading that you would see in your Bible. It says a maskeel, which is like a musical term of David. When he was in the cave, a prayer. This is verse 6. This is how he was feeling, hiding in the cave all alone. He said this to God, listen to my cry. 
I am in desperate need. Please rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. He's crying. He's desperate. He feels outnumbered, outgunned, and all alone, and there's no one to help him. You ever felt that way? So, how did God meet David in his cave of fear? And how does God offer to meet us when we're afraid? Here's the first thing I see in the passage is that God met David and taught him to practice remembrance, to practice remembrance in the cave. Check this out, 1 Samuel 22, verse 1. So let's go back to the passage here. First Samuel, there it is. David left Gath and escaped, here it is, to the cave of Adullam. Now, if you're just reading this, you don't have any geographical knowledge of Israel. You said he's in a cave and it's called Adullam. Next. Well, in my research this week, I learned something fascinating that it's super cool about the geography and the location of the cave of Adullam. Here's a picture from Adullam and what it looks like. Now, we don't know specifically the cave where David had, but it's kind of a wilderness area of Israel. And it's on top of a more highly elevated area. And it looks out over a valley, this valley right here. And this is called the Valley of Elah. Everyone say Elah. Elah. This is the Valley of Elah. Do you know what happened in the Valley of Elah? That's where David fought Goliath, guys. So just emotionally put yourself in his frame of mind. He's hiding in a cave, afraid for his life. And his scenery is the place where he defeated with the hand of God the greatest warrior on planet Earth. I wonder what God was doing for David just by chance, maybe, of the location where he thought he was hiding. Maybe it was the place where God took to strengthen him instead. It's as if David was sitting there in the cave and overlooking the valley of Eli, and I imagine him reminiscing and remembering the words that he said to Goliath as he challenged him in 1 Samuel 17. It's like David was remembering the words where he looked up and said, you come against me, you giant, with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the the leader of, of Israel's armies. And it's not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will deliver all of you into our hands. And he will go with the hand of God and defeat Goliath. I imagine that him remembering that, reminiscing those words, reminiscing what it felt like to have this supernatural, impossible, improbable, no chance victory, and where God turned his life completely upside down. And as he's remembering, and imagine David sitting, thinking, remembering, reminiscing. It's almost like God would come next to him in the cave and put his arm around him and say, hey, David, look. Do you remember what I did for you back then? Listen very carefully. I'm still that God. And as David is remembering the things that God has done, and if God delivered me from the giant, who is Saul to stand in the way of God? And one by one, the grip of fear begins to loosen its, its tight hold on David's heart. And what's true for David is true for us, too. We, too, are called to look over our own valley of Elas 
and see where God has delivered us in the past, provided for us in the past, answered us in the past, guided us in the past, redeemed terrible things in the past. And we remember that God loosens the grip of fear in our hearts. Oftentimes during the week when um, in our household, I'm the one who takes our big kids to school. And it's usually a race between me and two other staff members of, depending on how early I can get my kids to school, who ends up here at the office first. And half the time, I feel like I win. And if I get here first, before emails, before meetings, and Slack messages, and sermon prep, and group meetings, and all the different meetings it takes to run a church like this, um, I'll get out of my car, drop my bag in my office, and then I'll just go for a walk around here in Loxahatchee. And you know what really helps me a lot is when I'm starting my walk and I'm thinking not about all the things I'm anxious and afraid about, but when I start thinking about all the ways that God has already blessed my life, where God has already answered prayers, I thank God for who he is and what he's done. And you know what happens? My anxiety, my fear, the volume starts to go way, way, way down on all of them. Because in my walking around here, I'm looking out of my own valley of Elah. And fear gets reduced. I wonder what it would take for you the next time you're anxious and afraid to spend five minutes and open up a journal, open up a note on your phone and think about what are ways that God is already good and has already been good to me. And watch what fear will do. So we learned that from David, that he practiced remembrance. We also learned that he invited community into his cave. Check this out in 1 Samuel 22, the next verse here. It says, when his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. So pause right there first. Go back, go back, go back. So this is because his family, if they were alive, they would have been seen as a threat to the throne or to Saul's throne. It's like ancient Game of Thrones here. So if you're related to David, you're in danger too. So they came to him. They found out where he was hiding. They went to go hide with him too. Next verse here. Then all those who were in distress or debt or disconnected gathered around him and he became their commander. That's a really great recruiting strategy right there. That is, that's the cream of the crop, baby. About 400 men were here with him, which I, irony of ironies is that these became what's known as David's mighty warriors. They ended up becoming the mightiest leaders and warriors in all of Israel. It's like God is in the business of, of picking the rejects of the world to become the leaders of the kingdom of God. Just like Jesus picked 12 losers who ended up changing the world. I don't know about you. It makes me feel better about myself, right? So anyway, what do we learn about this? Where David is gathering his family, he's gathering these guys who are going to become his friends in the cave. What does that teach us? It teaches us that you need to invite community into the places where you feel afraid and anxious because it helps. Proverbs 17 says this, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Look at that. In good times and in bad, and especially when times are tough, this is when you need people. Proverbs 12, 25 says this, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. How are you going to get a kind word from somebody else if you isolate in your fear and in your struggle? The word for David, for you, if you struggle with fear and anxiety today, friends, is do not go it alone resist the urge to isolate to pull away and to hide and even though David hid in his cave God sent him people and he didn't kick them out he invited them in 
And same for you too. God's going to send you people if you're hurting and you're alone. If you don't have them yet, go get them and invite them into your fear and into your struggle. And God will help you. This is why we love groups at Community of Hope. This is why we love Celebrate Recovery at Community of Hope. This is why we're pro-counselors, pro-therapy. Sometimes you might need professional help to invite you into some of the struggles that you're going in. When my wife Leah and I in seminary decided to get a marriage counselor, it was the best decision we ever made for our marriage. And it helped. You got to invite people in. In fact, this week, that's what I was trying to do. This week, I spent time in Ormond Beach, Florida, and here's a group of five other jabroni pastors in the state of Florida, and uh, Pastor Dale and his group of covenant pastors that he has, they've been together for 30 plus years. This group, we've been together about six, so we got like 30 more to go, but it's working, and we ate way too much fried fish and donuts (laughs) this past week, and pretty sure when I came home, my wife looked at me and said, I smelled like beef and cheese, I need to leave. (laughs) But these group of guys, I love these guys. And when you begin to intentionally walk a community with each other, over time, you strengthen each other in the good times and in the bad times. When things are going great, when things are going terrible. Now, it's a blessing, a community of hope, where most of the pastors I know, and even some of those guys in that picture, that they have no friends in the churches where they're at. That's not me and Leah. We have rich community here at COH. Thank you for being the type of church where I can be a normal person, guys. Thank you. Thank you. But we've developed community here, there, and in other places because you want to invite community into the cave of your struggle. Don't go it alone. So we see that God is healing and changing and transforming David's heart and his life. He's invited community into the cave, and now he's learning to listen to God's voice in the cave. If you keep going through, check out verse 3, where it says this here. From there, David went to Mitzpah, Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, would you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? That's huge. Underline that if you take notes in your Bible. So he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him as long as David was in the stronghold. So he went back to his cave, but notice it's not a cave anymore. It's called a stronghold. Go back to verse 3. It says, until I learn what God will do for me. This shows me that David is beginning to listen to a different voice other than the voice of fear. And sometimes you're going to have to learn to listen to God over fear, and both are going to talk at the same time. Speaking of my relationship with my beautiful wife, Leah, one of the things that we're always wrestling through and trying to figure out is we're in a room full of people, like if we're in a room for a party or birthday party or something like that, and she says my name, I don't hear it. She goes, Trevor, Trevor. Trevor, Trevor, will you say his name? Hey, Trevor. Yeah, what's up? (laughs) That goes over real well at home, let me tell you. So I'm working hard to tune into Leah's voice amidst all the other voices. And if you struggle with fear, and let me tell you, fear is always going to shout at you. But you've got to learn to listen to the voice of God and the voice of truth. He'll speak at the exact same time. Fear shouts, but God whispers. And fear will shout at you and tell you what is going to happen, what might happen, what could happen. Everything about the future that's uncertain, they'll always paint the worst case scenario. 
what could happen, what might happen, and God's voice comes and says, you know what? I'm going to tell you what I will do for you and who I will be for you. David began to listen to a different voice. It began to transform the cave he was in from a cave of fear to a stronghold. And then we see in the last verse in Samuel, where it says, God will then send you out from the cave. Verse 5. But the prophet Gad, which, wouldn't you hate having that name? (laughs) Said to David, do not stay in the stronghold. Go into the land of Judah. So David left and went to the forest of Hereth. And so in this final moment, I want you to pay very close attention here to what's happening. He's telling him, it's time for you to leave the cave. It's time for you to step out of your fear. Now notice, God didn't fix what was going on. If you read, if you read 1 Samuel, Saul is still on the hunt for David's life. Saul, David is still an outlaw. He's still a wanted man. He's still in danger. But something has changed inside of David to where now God has transformed him and says, it's time for you to leave this hiding place and to step out and go forth. See, when you invite God into your fears, into your struggles, into your anxieties, you know what God will do for you? Sometimes God will fix what you're afraid of. More often than not, God might not fix your circumstance because he wants to transform you through it. And if you're willing to invite God into your fears, he'll transform your cave of fear into a refuge of faith. And so the same spirit that came on David to slay the giant Goliath, that same spirit will come on you to go slay the giant of fear in your life. Our God is a conquering God. Our God is a victory God. Our God is a God who sends his spirit upon us so that when you come out of your cave of fear, of isolation, of anxiety, having heard him and remembering what he's done, have been strengthened with community, having heard his voice, you could come out of your fears in victory saying, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Nothing is impossible for he who believes and fear You've got to fall. I know who I'm worshiping, and God can set you free. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. And so, Lord, all of our campuses now, I thank you that you are the God of peace who quiets the voice of fear, who ministers to all of our struggles and all of our anxieties. You're the God who ministered to David in the cave of Adullam, and you're the God who ministers to us in Loxahatchee, at West Palm Beach and Lake Worth and online. And Lord, I want to pray for every person who's struggling right now with fear. Draw close to them like you did to David. Help them remember how you've already been good. Draw close to them people who love them, who can encourage them who could sit with them in their fear, not as fixers, but as fellow journey, uh, journey sojourners. Lord, open our ears to hear your whisper instead of fear shouts, knowing that fear is a liar, but you always tell the truth. And Lord, I pray that you would commission every single person here who struggles with fear to go be a giant slayer. In Jesus' name. 
We pray this in his name. And all God's people said, amen. Can we give a hand to the Lord? Can we honor him for all that he does and all that he's done? We're going to go ahead and hand it back to our campus pastors and hosts at West Palm Beach and Lake Worth. God bless you guys. They're going to take the service from there. And for all of us here in Loxahatchee, we're going to respond with a song now. So I'm going to invite the band to come on up. And what we're going to do here in this moment is um, we're going to sing, obviously, but I want to open up the altar. We're going to have prayer teams up here in the front. If you struggle with fear, and particularly right now, if you're gripped with fear, would you come get some prayer? I'm going to be down in the front. My wife Leah is going to be down in the front. Some of our other prayer teams are going to be here in the front. And we're just going to seek God together. If you're struggling with fear and you're trapped, come forward, come get prayer. And we're going to pray to the God of peace. Let's seek him now. But with that, let me just read this passage over us for a benediction. Um, This is one of the clearest passages around the heart of God for anxious people. And this comes from Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. And I'm just going to read this over us as a prayer today for everyone here and everyone online. So would you bow your hearts and just receive this? Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here it is. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. Friends, go in God's peace. We'll see you next week.